Welcome to Nerdy Bunch presentation of Back to the Future. We are the collective known as the Cosmic Trio, even though we have four people now. We traverse the space-time continuum watching movies 20 years or older. I'm your host, English Dave, and helping me find out how to turn the lights off are my co-hosts Raven, Rocket Mike, and Mercedes. What's up, guys? What up, you know, I wish you wouldn't use my real name here. All right. <laughs> David. Yeah, and we got David here. Mike, yeah, I don't think Mercedes understood your joke when you said use your own names. <laughs> Sadie, he was talking about the scene where Ned was with the guy who was like, don't say my name. Don't say my He's name like, in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sadie's. As you listeners can tell, or viewers can tell, we are here to talk about Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. This was released June 11th, 1993. This is based on a book by Michael Crichton. And in one of those weird turn of events, he was also a co-writer on this film, along with uh, David, is it Cope? Kep? How do you pronounce Kep. his name? Kep. Wait, he, okay, I, I'll save my thoughts for that. Here's here's another little kind of plug. Um, after this, well, tomorrow, Mercedes, Mike, and I are going to review a movie that was written and directed by David Kep, his first uh, first directed film. He's usually known mm -hmm. as a writer. So, uh, so th we didn't do that on purpose. It just works out that way. I know. Um, I loved how that worked out. Mike, um, we know this is this movie was kind of like a landmark in Hollywood. So can oh, you let us God. know how this movie came to be? Not really sure how exactly they met. Uh, Michael Crichton and Spielberg were going over a screenplay for uh, an episode of ER. Uh, and during that conversation, Crichton had brought up a novel that he was working on, which was Jurassic Park. And have Spielberg having already done a monster movie called Monster Movie, which was Jaws, you know, um, he was really in intrigued by the science behind it all and the fact that it was, oh, no, we're just cloning dinosaurs bringing them back to this modern age so that really drove forward his want to do this now of course there was a lot of um bidding for the screenplay i mean they were bidding on the screenplay before the novel was even released in 1990 wow tim burton and warner brothers uh were close to getting it but eventually uh 20th century fox and spielberg nailed it and he was also a huge fan of godzilla growing up and he was like that was a monster movie where you made, it made you believe this was real. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I want to combine all of my love for my childhood love of dinosaurs, uh, my fandom of Godzilla. And basically he's like, I really just wanted to make a good sequel to Jaws on land. And he wanted to do nothing but animatronics for the entire movie, for all dinosaurs. Thank God, because having animatronics is probably not going to be totally doable what with the fast motion so they were starting to do uh, stop motion at the time before we got into our introduction to digital and how that was going to be a game changer for this movie they actually already started filming stop motion with like the t-rex on top of the car before they're like uh, we're gonna might put this on hold and destroy your careers now with this new tech that we have. <laughs> and that was actually a line that we find um, Dr. Malcolm say to, I think it was either Hammond or Grant. Grant was like, oh, I guess we're uh, out of a job now. And uh, mm -hmm. Malcolm was like, don't you mean extinct? Was the verbatim lines that mm -hmm. I think Spielberg told um, his director of stop motion was like, um, I think you're out of a job. And he's like, I think you mean extinct. And this is one of those movies, like Mike said, um, we all, we, all of us here grew up with this film. And so I want to get into that. Raven, I'll start with you. 
did your grandma introduce you to this film? How did you? Yeah, this is my grandma's favorite movie. <laughs> this is literally one of two of my grandma's favorite movies of all time. I used to watch this movie like every single weekend for life. I never got tired of it. As a kid, it was always like, yeah, dinosaurs. Like, I'm never going to get sick of a movie about dinosaurs. But I also feel like as a kid, like because of that, the movie for me almost starts like the moment they arrive to the park. Like watching it now as an adult, everything else <laughs> opening almost feels like watching a director's cut or like deleted scenes i'm like this wasn't always on it <laughs> you know watching i'm like wow there's like a whole 30 minutes of character development i never even caught oh, yeah. at all the whole first act so much happens in it but you know this is one of those movies again like mike said it's it's like perfect for kids but it's not a kid's film it's in some ways it's weird you know no. i'm of the age where this when this movie came out i was 10 so i was like the perfect mm. age for this movie yeah and so like i remember seeing this movie in theaters but not paying attention to the beginning part because i'm scared of the opening scenes spielberg he's a master of build-up and then that release yeah. and it's just worth mm. it you're like oh my god that was the best orgasm i've ever had in my life <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> yeah, you get like 45 minutes which is non-stop like, i feel like build up literally build up, from the up, moment of the power is out it's raining the electricity is out on the fences. The film from there just literally does not slow down. It's I've seen this movie how many times? So, and I was oh watching man. watching it last night and my heart was still like... I'm still... <laughs> well, because that's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes! This movie, takes you on that, this movie takes you on that journey where at first it's the wonder. What is it? What is it? And then the second half is... The second act is the fun. Ooh, this is cool. We meet a dinosaur. You see a baby being born. And then the danger hits you. Like, the reality. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> the reality of it all. But, you know, I think the film does a good job of highlighting why you would open up a park like that, even though there's ramifications for it. You know, like, I understand the idea yeah. of, you know, I have the money and shit, I would go to that park. If someone said to me, do you want to go to Dinosaur Park? I am saying yes. It, yes yeah, I it, yeah. <laughs> film mirrors yeah. at that time our booming um, idea of like zoo culture because that only kind of slowed down because remember like back in that day, like anybody could have a petting zoo. It was only up until sure. recently where PETA and that's why, you know, that documentary blew up the way that it did because people do remember like paying like shady amounts of money like, oh, let me hold a baby. Yeah. yeah, Tiger King, let me hold a baby tiger. And it plays upon that culture of like, like, uh, well, you have no problems with tigers and lions and bears in cages, and those things eat meat and people on a regular basis. So why wouldn't, exactly, like David said, who, you own the dinosaur park with me? Hell yeah, let's go. Like, I'm going. It's you know, only when humans get involved. That's the difference is we had a long time to study lions and tigers and bears. We had no time to study these new animals but that's or where the human arrogance comes into play yeah, where we right? think we, exactly. we want to play god and so then arrogant. that's where the if you're going to play god that's where ian malcolm was trying to say that's the chaos theory you can't you can't bring some that something's going to go wrong and what went wrong human nature went wrong he could have never planned for the fact that his employee was going to be all bitter and like Th that's the thing right you plan for everything else but you didn't mm. think your employee would do this that's on the day of the storm the day you can trust mm -hmm. yeah but thing is, no, but you get the sense that he didn't necessarily like Ned, but Ned is the yeah, only one that could do one. that job. He's the only one that knew it. Yeah. yeah. And then that's why he decides to double cross Hammond. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't intend to murder people because he never planned for the storm. Now, if the storm never happened, mm -hmm. he would have been able to take the embryos. He would have been three minutes. No people would have been none the wiser because he told them 
even though it was not believable, the systems are going on and off. Like it would have had time, but now the storm happens. The ship has to leave earlier. Leave he early. Gets, yeah. But he gets sloppy and then chaos. Like you cannot plan for mother nature in the storm. And that's why like, I didn't even like, I think that's what I got from it. Same thing as you, Dave, mm -hmm. like how good the exposition was because you look back on it and you're like, ah, this movie's bullshit, but I love the dinosaur park. But it like actually totally makes sense. Like, like that park was perfectly safe. It was perfectly mm -hmm. safe, except like that some human messed crew. it up. And yeah, it messed, yeah. messed up. This is what the movie does, right? The three villains of the piece are Hammond, the lawyer, and Ned, right? Mm. And I think Hammond's villainous, villainy doesn't, outside the other two, doesn't come from a bad place, but it comes from a, 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 a place of arrogance and not realizing, not Unconsciously. thinking Unconsciously. Yes. But once he realizes, but I think once he realizes the danger fully and he's aware of it, he changes. Whereas the other characters don't give a shit. You it know, they still- so long like, to they, learn though. Like, <laughs> even but when so, his again, grandchildren like, are lost yeah. out there, possibly dead, he's, he's still like, okay, but next like a time. Fruit plate. I was like, bro. But see, the, the, I see it as in like, you know, again, not necessarily that he's a bad person. I just think he got blinded by his dream. You know, from a young mm -hmm. age, he has this dream mm -hmm. of giving children real magic, you know? And, he, mm -hmm. and the problem was he thought he could control magic and that's his hubris. When, when, when she says to him, yeah, but you thought you could control it. You know, and, and, and I think regardless of your intentions, yes, you had good intentions. You wanted to help kids out and give them this magical experience because, and I never paid attention to the flea circus story. You know, when you talk to a flea circus, you know, I, I never really realized what a yeah, flea I circus was. Yeah, I never noticed that whole thing. I had to Google it. I was like, that's a... That's I didn't a realize a flea circus... Because as a kid, you think it's real fleas, right? <laughs> you think it's real fleas. But that was, that was the point of a flea yeah. circus is to make... It's to an to illusion. trick people. And he was like, well, I don't want to give illusions. I want to give the reality of it because kids deserve that. And But he didn't... But in chasing that, because I feel like the story tells you that I think any good intention, if you don't think about it, can go completely off. It doesn't matter what the good intentions is. If you don't yeah. think about how you're going to bring that good intentions to, to, to pass. Right. And I think, and I think that's part of the narrative of, but I think that makes it stronger. Right. Cause it's, it's the movie doesn't play on good guy, bad guy. It plays on humans. We can do things and we can do amazingly great things, but if we don't think of the ramifications of it, things can turn out real bad, real quick. I, it just shows that good intentions isn't always enough. Right. Yeah. yeah intentions aren't enough. And, 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 and even, um, Ian Malcolm, he, he doesn't say to him, you shouldn't have built this park. His critique of how quickly they did it without any thought. You know, yeah. he's like, you stood on the backs of mm -hmm. giant shoulders and giants and you quickly made it without any thought. It wasn't a case of you shouldn't have done it. It's like, maybe you should have thought about it first. Maybe we don't start off with a theme park. Maybe start off with something just to do research and study them first and learn mm -hmm. from them. And once you know from them, yeah, exactly. maybe then we can then go into a park and stuff. And he was too, you're too quick, rushing too quickly without it. Um, let's talk about the actors. The main character outside of, 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 of Hammond's character is uh, Alan Grant. His story arc is fantastic. You know, I love, I love Alan. I've always loved Alan's character. That's my boy. I don't know. I felt like he just. I feel like he had a good attitude pretty much throughout the whole thing. Like he was very practical in the situation. Alan, like, no. I'm the leader. Dr. But I feel Alan like is us. It's not bad. You know, when you yeah, grew up, you're like, I want to be an archaeologist. That's that's who you. The grew thing up is, to be. after this movie, I did want to be an archaeologist. But, but that's this movie and the mummy. I was like, ah, I want to dig. <laughs> like, that's what he his mindset. Like, I just want to play in dirt all day. <laughs> You know, when he sees the dinosaurs for the first time and the whole glasses thing, like that would be, that's your reaction. Like, you know, you as a kid and then growing up to be like this archeologist and then you <laughs> just think they're bones and then you see the dinosaurs and you're like, 
I felt like for me, the, the second they came out the car with the flare, I was like, hey, and flagged that T-Rex. I was like, this is a good guy. It's a stand-up individual. Yeah. Because that whole scene is one of, like, to me, like, top ten, like, for me, favorite scenes of all time. Because oh, when amazing. that dinosaur pushes his head through and you just see, like, the, for me, watching that as a kid, I was like, ah! I would think I screamed. Because I'm just like, what <laughs> the hell? Literally is I still, like, slightly back up from the TV. Right? Like, the part. only it's thing like, saving like I would have probably, if that were me, I would have passed out, and then mm. I would have been able. I couldn't hold the plexiglass, and I would have died. Um, let's yeah. talk about Laura Dern's character. I want to talk briefly talk about her. Like I always forget. I don't know why, but I always forget that that's Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, every time I watch the movie, I don't. Yeah. I see us yeah, two yeah. separate people. You know? I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh shit, shit is that Laura Dern. is Laura Dern. <laughs> really, Raven? Really? <laughs> like it is, but like. It is. I'm like, that's you know, our Laura like, oh, Dern. Like, it's, it's the same like, The Lost Jedi. Whoa. Literally, in my head, I was like, she had a purple wig once. Yeah. <laughs> the wow. pew 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 uh, lady. And of course, we have Jeff Goldblum with his sexy shirtless. Oh, uh, nobody, like I should have worn a black shirt. button down. Somebody should have put on a black button <laughs> down. Damn. I have so many, I didn't think of it. <laughs> Oh, and I got uh, all of the jacket. I could have killed you know, it. You know, I feel like Jack Goldman's one of those actors that go, has gone through like it's different periods of his life. He goes through different transitions, because like he's a very different Jeff Goldblum now, but still the same person. Mm-hmm. There's always a daddy, though. <laughs> I feel like it's many degrees of Jeff Goldblum. Like it's just right. You know, we accept them all. Of uh, before we end this first half, I want to also talk about some of the biggest things of this movie. We touched upon it in the beginning, but the visual effects and the score of this film are huge standouts for me. This um, movie changed VFX mm-hmm. forever. And I think part of that is not necessarily realistic realism of it all. It's, you know, you could play with realism and CGI and other aspects, but it's like, it was reminding us that not only CGI can, can it work, but it can work in ways to give us the fantasy that we don't see, like dinosaurs, right? Bring fantasy stuff to life, you know? Yeah. And, and, and things to life that you couldn't create. It's one thing doing a CGI car or CGI character think animals that are alive today but you're bringing a dinosaur something that we can't even go out and film you know and i think yeah. that that's the aspect and on top of that it like added fantastic. a new layer to the movie magic it just you know it was mm-hmm. more magic and on top of know? that i think the magic worked because of spielberg's framing you know just oh, for like how sure. he frames the shot you know like you feel that they're standing next to the back of your source looking up at it. Also, it the camera so shot of like even just during the the when the raptors were hunting down the kids in the kitchen, literally every single shot during that sequence is amazing. I was reading somewhere that um, Spielberg also the aspect ratio he had like a wider top to bottom aspect ratio to mm. kind of create more 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 scale. So usually movies go wide, he went up and down, you know, to kind of create this giant size mm-hmm. uh, uh, film and little things like. Every time the, the characters go into danger, they're descending into danger, climbing down from the fence, climbing down from the tree, climbing mm. down. Even such things as the first time they land at the, at the, at the park, you're, you're moving down with the helicopter. Coming down from the helicopter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to when you're, you're, you're leaving, you're going up. So Spielberg did a lot of, his direction on this was absolutely brilliant. And I think it was then emphasized with John Williams' score. Scaffolding at the very end. That score wow like that score the score is amazing the score (laughs) part it was like for me that's what made it so believable like what raven was saying before um where you thought like dinosaurs were real how do you write a theme song for a dinosaur (laughs) think (laughs) how does that even translate (laughs) that was john williams correct yeah john williams 
So it's just like he he creates, uh, you know, this whole story and this backdrop with this music and this moment that when you get there, it's like it's so believable. And then it's like, wait, is it believable? Because the actors don't really seem like they this yeah. should be happening. But like I'm watching this as a kid and I'm like, but dinosaurs are real. Um, that's the end of part one. If you guys want to hear us talking about the film itself, if you guys want to rewatch the film, go rewatch it and then come back as you go into the film. Uh, the synopsis is as follows. In Steven Spielberg's massive blockbuster, paleontologists Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler and mathematician Ian Malcolm are among a select group chosen to tour an island theme park populated by dinosaurs created, by, created from prehistoric DNA. While the park's mastermind billionaire John Hammond assures everyone that the facility is safe, they find out otherwise when various ferocious predators break free and go on the hunt. Um, the movie starts with the prologue, which I never really paid full attention to in the sense no. that this prologue is a setup for everything. Right? It's like Jaws. That, it opens the same way. is a super setup. Not just setting the mood. It clearly sets the mood that you're dealing with dangerous things, even though it doesn't show you what those dangerous things are. Right? If you didn't know, yeah. I had no idea. You're just thinking it's a wild. Something's coming out of the trees. You something. don't know what, but everyone's ready with guns. But what, what I really paid attention to this time was that it's because of this that the, the shareholders having an issue and then they want someone to go in and investigate the island in the first place, all because of this one incident. So this incident hadn't happened, everything else wouldn't have happened. I got one fault on this incident here, okay? Yes. They got electric cars. They got electronic doors. They have giant electronic gates. They couldn't get one machine to open up this cage. You have to have a guy on top of it to lift this thing. Nothing can be all, everything else is automated, but that one thing that ended up being the little flaw. So maybe they didn't think about it beforehand. <laughs> that well, is true. Watching this again, I'm like, this whole could have been avoided. Y'all knew. But isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the theme of the whole entire film though? Is that yep. they, they didn't, ex they thought they Shut had it up, all controlled. Dave. All right. <laughs> the movie opens up telling us the themes, right? It's literally yeah, that. Yeah, it's like the little thing you didn't think of and everything. And I didn't think of it either. You didn't think. It, and so. also, like, it I'll sets back up out. that. Right. It sets up to us through the character of Muldoon, who I find him just an interesting character, right? Because he respects them, but he's still a game hunter. But he very much respects them, right? And and through him, we kind of get continue, that continued narrative of these creatures are very clever. They're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And you know, he's one of the f few people to kind of understand that. And we're also introduced, introduced in the second prologue. There's two prologues here to uh, the lawyer, but more importantly, the the the, um, the Amber, mm. which I feel like that imagery, everyone understands it. As soon as you see a mosquito in Amber, you're like, Jurassic Park. You know, it doesn't matter <laughs> the context. You can make dinosaurs now. <laughs> and then this is where we're introduced to Alan Grant and Ellie. And I think it's a great introduction because it shows their passion for what they do. And it shows their passion as... Um, paleontologists but also you realize that they do it not for the money because they don't have money like that they do it because of 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 loving this job and we get the establishing that alan and computers don't mix like even when he touches them somehow they don't like him <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I always found that hilarious it's like what i do to computer touch touch <laughs> i touched it yeah and and it's almost again the movie itself that's it's so layered right because the movie itself is about bringing new technology. And the movie yeah. opens with new technology when he's like, ugh, what happens to digging? I don't want to use new technology to find dinosaurs. I prefer yeah, to dig. Where's the fun in that? You know, where's the fun yeah. in that? You know, it's, like, it's almost like going from animatronics to CGI. With the help of computers, uh -huh. you made, th made things slightly easier. And and It's crazy because, I mean, even just the timing, you know, of the film when it was made, it kind mm -hmm. of perfectly speaks for all of that. It was kind of the beginning of that 
huge tech era, you know? Like, I feel like mm -hmm. kind of the time where we've all been growing up, we went from really slow tech to, like, this huge leap. And I feel like this movie kind of... Yeah, this movie's kind of, like, right at the start of that, you know, that category, mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy. But, um, thing, you know, I, like... I do love that it deals with that. And there are a lot of themes, like you were saying, that, like, you know, I didn't really realize before, you know, like... The greed and, agner, uh, and arrogance part, I, I always realized, but I think now some of the more heartfelt moments I didn't understand. Like I didn't realize some of the uh, reluctance of the workers or like you said that um, everyone actually had a passion for what they did. You know, mm -hmm. Alan and uh, what's her name? Ellie. I forgot her name. Either way, like I always saw them as like doctors who worked for the bad guys and I never realized they actually never worked there. You know, no, they work, it's work like little themselves. things. Yeah. Yeah, like the but, only reason you know, they end up going, the only reason they go is because Hammond promises to pay for their dig. In terms of when they arrive at the the helicopter ride to the park, I really enjoyed um, Ian Malcolm's introduction. And I love when um, Hammond says, oh, this is Dr. Malcolm. He's suffering from a deplorable excess of, excess of personality. And I love that line. I feel like that's Jeff Goldblum as a person. I feel like that's like spot on. If you could use one sentence to describe <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. His first few lines, I thought, Suffering I would have thought this guy's wasted. I don't know. Right? Yeah. You think he came on so strong in the intro. Like, whoa. I'm like, and a little rapey. Drinking before this. Huh? Little trying to, hit, trying to sure. hit on her. And it's like, <laughs> aren't you here to like do a job? What you're trying to, okay. Yeah, like, but he's, bro, a, he's an old mad. black. He's a sex. He's a sexy guy. He's all black. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. he's the yeah. racially. Yeah. I don't know the jacket. <laughs> in the jungle. He's on a leather jacket with his shirt open. Right in the jungle. It doesn't waste time. The movie doesn't waste time to again give us more exposition on characters. That sequence with uh, Alan trying to do his seatbelt—it's another moment of. Oh, I, I hate, hate that. I hate that scene. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, Wait, I love that scene. No, it's no, a great no, no, character. No, no, no. I, I will tell you why. Once again, just an example at the beginning. You have all this fancy equipment around you. Everything's brand new, but this little—they didn't have the foresight to check every little detail, including this belt buckle. Now. There's also symbolism oh, in that. You I got two, you got two female ends of a belt buckle. Same thing is that they had tried to make females in all the dinosaurs, but that didn't happen. Well, life finds a way. Oh, you still okay. find a way. All right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's right. Now I got it. Look at all those metaphors. I love it. You're like, yes. Show off my, my gold bloom. <laughs> Show off my gold bloom chest. Right. All right, and then we get the, the we get the the scene, you know, when they get into Jurassic Park. We get the scene and when that they see the breakfast. opening scene, I feel like it felt Welcome like when you walk to into a Jurassic theme Park. Park. I feel oh. like in real life when you're a kid and you're walking in, like even to this day, my grown ass, I went to Universal right. last year and it was the same damn thing when I went to the maze. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> you know, you see the globe and all that stuff and it like welcomes you in and it's always these huge massive gates and feel really tiny and small and you're like, this is going to be awesome. And this is why, this sequence is why I understand Hammond a bit. I don't agree with him, but I understand where he's coming from. Because it's because magical. For the longest time, every time people ask him, what is it, what is it? He would always never say anything. If you notice, he doesn't say anything because he wanted them to see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, see it for yourself and then you understand. And Speaks imagine for itself. He, again, he's been here this whole time. Nothing's ever gone wrong. He's always constantly seen the magic. He was like, I've been, 
uh, around for the birth of every single one of these dinosaurs. Yeah. So he's like, so I can understand his like excitement because shit. If I was yeah. him, I'd be excited too and want to share with everybody. Everybody must see this. Oh, all yeah, kids, created you know, dinosaurs. That's all kids dope. must see this. Is wow. And I love the sequence when Alan sees it first. And then Ellie's, she's looking at the plant. And I never noticed that she's looking at the plant. She's like, this shouldn't be here. This is weird. And he's just like. I love that line too. <laughs> just a plant. And she's yes. like, this shouldn't be here. And it, it emphasizes what she does. Isn't she like a. She's like, a, her, a paleontologist. Like her yeah, paleontologist. Yeah, something we cannot pronounce. With old, old, I think old, it's, I think it's old ass herbs plant. and plants. Yes, old, old ass, <laughs> old ass herbs and plant doctor. Old botanist. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like bot paleobotanist. Paleobotanist. Yeah, paleobotanist. Yeah, something like that. Right? Yeah. That's exactly okay. what it is. Yeah. So when yeah, she's looking it. at yeah. it. Even you believe her because she's like, that's what she does. And she's looking at these plants mm -hmm. that she's never been able to see, touch, hold. She's like, she thinks that. Yeah, she thinks that existing. she's looking at the best thing. And he's like, no, bitch, turn your head. <laughs> <laughs> that sequence is done so well in terms of everything. The music, the direct, like the way the camera pans in on her as she climbs up of the roof. It's just brilliantly done. Like the, the glass it's is taken off by Alan. directed so oh, well. Goodness. Like, like wow. I'm sorry, but I feel like before people were like, who are your favorite director? And I felt like it was like a cop out to be like Spielberg. But I'm Spielberg. like, no, no, it's no. it's Spielberg. It literally is. Believe that hype. Fucking go. And beyond that, like he's not a creep. I don't think we haven't heard anything yet. He, you know. So that. I'm just like, thank you. Like moments. <laughs> and I think because he has such a great connection with like understanding actor, his though. child actors and being able to direct them through like trauma. Yeah. And without it just being He's like a cry fest child or scream fest, anybody. Yep. Yeah. which is what a lot of kids we get in a lot of films like they just scream like Millie Bobby Brown is just yeah. screaming or like just mm. staring intently. But mm. when he it like Drew Barrymore and these kids in this movie, um, even Ready Player One when he's doing teenagers, like he mm. has such mm. a connection with just understanding the child and then the child and all of us and bridging that gap. Yeah. I think certain aspects because you know, Sadie's you mentioned at the top of the podcast that. Hammond's characters changed vastly differently from the book mm -hmm. to this, right? I think part of that is part of Spielberg is in Hammond. In that, in terms of Hammond, Spielberg put himself in terms mm -hmm. of the childhood wonder, and that goes into the next part when they when they go on the tour, right? When Hammond's excited, he's like, "Ooh, where's my notes? Only part of this tour." He's excited to do the tour. Yeah. To, whereas, Ooh, just a drop of blood. It's just, oh, look, a drop of blood. <laughs> you know, like he's into it. Whereas <laughs> everyone, so look, you know, he's so entertained by it. He's like, Even "Yeah, we're gonna add music and a whole margin band and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff." Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, whatever, science." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just like, oh, "This is so much fun." It's so yeah, interesting exactly. the way the film flows the dynamics of like certain themes of like who each character is because mm -hmm. I'm like Hammond's so excited but I feel like the kids end up portraying like the real like breaking the fourth wall of like the real raw like emotion like mm -hmm. that would be you like you even uh, whether you're like, like the kids are the patrons the yeah kids are like the would-be patrons, patrons. You know, whether like, you're 65 or six years old this is what's gonna happen to you if you come here exactly yeah. <laughs> but I mean he even, he even says that right he even says the true target when they come he's like the target audience for this yeah a bunch of kids um but you mentioned earlier raven like the the other character wanted to the science which is in the in the raptor birth you know i love what they just push and leave like oh i gotta see that you know yeah which, like, he's like well just, you can't really it's a ride They're like, yeah okay <laughs> we're just gonna go into this clean room with our full clothes on without disinfecting just go right in there nothing just and just touch shit <laughs> and touch the baby <laughs> embryos they would have died <laughs> yeah um the doctor in this film he's the one character i think is in like either all the films or most of the films. He came back for Jurassic World as well. 
He's the, you always forget like oh shit. Funny enough, he's, the, yeah. I he's in everything. In in the Makes first you look at him again. Because yeah. he's guy. Is I looked at him like you bastard. Mm -hmm. Well, because he becomes the villain in Jurassic World, right? He's like yeah. the, the villain in that, in that film. And, and the way he was talking to Goldblum, I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you listen Don't to you this guy. My Goldblum. That's right. Well, what I love about the, that scene with the baby raptor being born is that it starts off, oh, look at the raptors, so cute. And then they mention, oh, no, we've had fully grown ones. And you're like, oh, what? And then we cut to the feeding scene. I love see, Alan's oh, face. Shit. So Alan's face, he's like, you bred a raptors. Raptor. And I love that because I feel like that's when the tone of the movie really gets set. Because even Alan, up until this moment, was all for it. This you know, I felt like he was, he was, oh, yeah. he was like, because most of the dinosaurs that he had seen were vegetarians, you know, they're not hunters. The, well, even the, with the T-Rex, he was like, that's fine. Yeah, you we can outrun a T-Rex. He's like, uh, okay, I get it. You know, one yeah. T-Rex to the whole island, bunch of vegetarians. Mm -hmm. Oh, T-Rex, yeah. And then it's like, yeah, but we got raptors, huh? And he even said, like, why would you breed raptors? You know, and that's the thing, too, is, like, you have to, and, and that's an overarching theme in the story, too, is, like, the why. And that's what Alan's saying, too, like, you bred raptors, but why? Like, I understand why you do everything else, but, like, why you're these putting ones? dangerous, yeah. violent hunters, meat eaters, you know? Advanced and he knows so much hunters. about them, too. Oh, well, super that, well, So thing, it was right? like that's why he was okay with the T-Rex. T-Rex, you know, they had their in they had their shortcomings, yeah. even though they were the dominant <laughs> shortcomings. But, yeah. The arms, <laughs> and, arms and the vision. But with raptors, as we've seen in all the future Jurassic Park movies and what we know like in real like history, they are super killing machines. Are smart. Yeah. They, They're the they, perfect hunter. Perfect hunter. Which, and he what? You did what? And I think it's great yeah. that we the next scene we cut to is to see how how much of a threat they are right <laughs> what i love about that feeding sequence is that we get so much about the raptors but we never see the raptors and it's like i mentioned earlier muldoon's character he's that consistently let us know that the raptors are smart he literally says yeah. they are really smart they're testing out the fences the, the electric fences they're doing this and doing that he's the one that understands them more than anyone he'll still do his job but he's like these guys and don't i feel like them. mal like if you have watched tiger king i feel like he's like the staff from uh, <laughs> the, the zookeeper chick that ends up with no arm Eric because still goes back know, to work next well, day. Well, there's two. There's Eric that has no legs, and then Saf that has no arm because one of the damn tigers. But it's the same situation where they're like, "I'm gonna just go to work." I mean, it's not safe, but whatever. We'll just Fun keep fact about that uh, about that little scene with the feeding. Um, they had Spielberg was just making the noises in a megaphone as everyone was looking down into the feeding cage. And so- Well, the cow. And, yeah. So it was like, so he was just going like, <laughs> and the whole time Sam was like, that was probably our best acting because we were all just trying not to laugh. I <laughs> <laughs> got the true. director just making just weird noises in there. And, and this is where they had the next scene where, you know, over lunch, everyone, as much as fun as it was, everyone kind of starts voicing their concerns. You know, Malcolm talks about the, the lack of I will of say, I ability. feel like that whole lunch scene is maybe one of the most underrated scenes 100%. in the film. Mm -hmm. I completely miss that scene maybe every time I watched it. Mm -hmm. I think I just like kind of glazed over like, yeah, jargon, science, blah, blah. Yeah, you but have like watching it this time. I'm like, oh, it's the humanity. This is the conversation about humanity, morality, and, mm. you know, the the thin line, you know, between, like, what's too far, you know? Mm. And I did love that. I feel like every single time I watched this movie, I never caught that entire dialogue and the opposing 
uh, opinions. And I think but, what what I like it, about is that each character, it's not that their opposing opinions come from the same place. It comes from different places. No, completely different. Whereas That's what know, I love too. Ellie's issue is the ecosystem, right? Putting these plants and these animals together and the, everyone together. And even Alan. Alan, you know, when he says it, he's almost like, he's kind of excited. He's like, I love this, but... You know, he's that kind of person. He, he literally says, how can we possibly have the faintest idea of what to expect? I like it. He's in, I'm impressed by the science of it, but there's the underpredictability of it. And that's, you know, and I like it when, when Hammond is like, I can't believe everyone is against me except for the blood-sucking lawyer. And lawyer's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene is important, like Raven said, because as a kid, when you watch it, you kind of like, or when you think back about the film, you're like, these people are so dumb. They should have seen it coming. They deserve what they get. But that scene is kind of like, they do realize that, you know, this is, we're a little in over our heads and maybe we need to stop, think and research a little bit more. But by this time, it's already too late because mm -hmm. if this is a science experiment, you're like outlying factors or your, you know, the variables that you did not account mm -hmm. for are now unleashing their chaos within the system, which is where it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, this the end of the first act actually leads up to the falling apart right we get a couple of things we're introduced to the two kids Hammond's grandchildren and one of them takes a liking to me to to Alan because he knows not that he takes a liking to him I didn't realize I didn't realize the first time I watched the film that Tim or Timmy he's like nerd for Alan Grant like he knew about him way before all of this like he has his book yes. he's yeah read his books that, so that made sense to me this time too i didn't catch that before i just but he exactly. was like but he was like a cool adult no yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or like, like this oh kid is God, just annoying read his books like that's it's like no and i also love in the driving tour when they pass through the gates right that's another great moment it's subtle but when the the you know raven your background you know the doors open wide and we go through the gates and even jeff Goldman says what have they got in there king kong fun fact that is an homage to king kong the the original king kong 1930 something <laughs> movie because yeah. i think there was a big giant gate as well yep, for king with Kong's, the fire that's how the, fire. the tribal like you know when they offer the the offering the woman when, so that's like yeah. and i think another another great touch in this film is in this when they go on the tour because you're expecting to see dinosaurs and they see nothing it's almost like oh, I love that gonna, because we go from seeing nothing to seeing everything. <laughs> so like when when um, Ian Malcolm complains, uh, are we going to see dinosaurs on this dino tour? Come on, <laughs> excuse said, oh, okay. me. <laughs> you want to see dinosaurs? Are there going to be dinosaurs <laughs> on this dinosaur tour? <laughs> Did we ever find out why the Triceratops is sick? Like we assume it must be she eating said, something. It might well, be. Well, she looked something. in the shit and she didn't find any berries, right? Yeah, exactly. So well, we actually, don't know. Maybe see there we go. We got a little nitpick. The you know I never found out what the hell happened in that poor Triceratops. Yeah. The end of the first act ends with Ned initiating his plan, and that's where we get stuck in front of the T Rex paddock. And I, I, I dun, love dun, that. Dun 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 dun. And it's a very long first act that gives us so much information. You know. So and the second act is so much. The second and third act is so much smaller. I feel like the first act is all about making you a dino nerd. Great. The build up. Because <laughs> it's all just information. Because even if you didn't want to know a damn thing about yeah. dinosaurs, by the time this movie ends, you're like a velociraptor can run everything. up to sixty miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so this. <laughs> And so this is where we get to the second act, which is I call bring on the monsters. You know, many movies uh, create things that become part of pop culture and sequences that, that are part of pop culture. And nobody will ever forget a vibrating water. Like that's such yeah, a genius but, move. Okay, so I got a little fun fact about that. So how Good. that was done is the two glasses of water are rigged up to the dashboard, which, well, like not crazy rigged up, but sort of attached to the dashboard, which is rigged up to a guitar string. 
So there's somebody sitting underneath the dash strumming a guitar and the vibrations from wow. the guitar vibrate the water in a perfect way. But it's done so well in sense of so it's well. a gr- it's a great way to build up anticipation and fear. Just like I feel shit. like after that for like years, anytime I saw right? water, I would like look at it <laughs> just to check that some stampede Dude. wasn't coming through my house. <laughs> And without seeing it, without seeing it, you just you just understand the power of this beast that's coming at you. You just know, you don't all see the it. shots in a row because you have like reaction shot, right. reaction shot, close up, another reaction shot, close up. Water. And can, <laughs> and like, can I tell you one of my oh favorite no. one of my favorite shots is when the T Rex finally comes when it steps on the mud and the way its foot plants on that Doom. mud. Like oh, and that oh. roar too when it. <laughs> but even subtle subtle like... things, I didn't pay attention the first time. Subtle things that. You notice the T Rex tests out the, the the electric fence. It touches it. Yeah, with his hand. it does that tap it twice. Mm-hmm. Like it's tapping. I didn't notice yeah, that before. That really. I thought yeah. it was just trying to fuck with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm them. like, yeah, this coming. <laughs> Hello, my pretty. <laughs> this is my Take good my hand. Strong hand. I'm yeah. coming for you, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Yo, the dinosaurs throwing up peace signs like, hey, yo, yo, yo. Also, just to fully break down that scene, um, that T-Rex took 16 weeks to make. Um, That is a real T-Rex. You can Google it. They actually built this T-Rex. It's insane. It's made out of- It's um, in Universal now, right? A mix of a whole bunch of things. I think so, yeah. But it's made of a mix of a bunch of different things. There's, you know, wire. It's a wood cast. Like, originally, it was an image. That they projected onto a wall. Then the image they projected onto a wall in full size, they then traced. Then they figured out the sizing of it and then had wood pieces cut out the size of the big 70-foot image that they had. And then on top of that, once they made the wood pieces, then they kind of made the wiring. I forgot what they call it. They call it egg something, but either way, these are all these wires. And then they add a layer of like plaster on the top. And then after the plaster, they add a layer of latex. Now, the latex, I think, is such a key thing that no one does at all anymore. That made it so great. Because they also used uh, latex skin in aliens, and that's why the mm-hmm. aliens look so nasty, that, like, layer over them. Either way, in this film, they did the, they wrapped the layer on top and then painted it and then added, like, shimmer and everything else. And then on the day of set when they went to shoot, um... Well, also, it's animatronic, so it does move. It does everything. It's just slightly jagged. Mm-hmm. So on the day of shooting, when they actually turn on the rain machines and everything, they didn't factor that in. So the rain on the skin was so much that it actually made the T-Rex super heavy. So mm-hmm. th- it was so heavy that the mechanism wasn't working. So there's parts where it like, would like lag, like like at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you see like a thing moving, <laughs> it's like, eh, 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 eh. Um, but apparently they had a lot of issues with it on set in real life. Like, and the thing would just be moving in the background, uh, which I'm like, I would have loved to. I can imagine Spielberg is like, (laughs) first Jaws and now this fucking animatronics. Yeah. Like granted, the difference is they ended up getting it in all the shots that they needed it. You know, they just couldn't do excessive shots. So, but like in between every scene, every time they would call cut, a bunch of people, PAs and everyone would just have to run out with blow dryers and towels to dry the dinosaur in between every scene sorry i completely missed uh one line that went way over my head when we're talking about animatronics here um because i didn't know much about animatronics until watching this so yeah those are actual robots they move (laughs) yeah and you just brought up chuck e cheese right so they they there was this there was a scene the, the scene back when they're you know in the tour part and the you know the whole room is moving and they're watching the scientists 
and uh, Gennaro leans over to him and he goes, is that, um, are those people real yeah. sciences? Or are they, uh, and he yeah, says, is it autoerotica? <laughs> and he goes, and, oh no, those are, those aren't animatronics. And you see a mouth and he's like learning this for the first time. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed that. But the next point, one of my favorite next scenes is when Ned gets killed, you know, by, uh, what's the dinosaur called? It's so called, satisfying. He loves Dilph- Dilph- Dilphosaurus. Dilph- yeah, Dilphosaurus. Great, great sequence. Uh, so Dilph- First of all, Dilophosaurus. Dilophosaurus. I will say too, to this day, it's still like one of my favorite parts of that movie. His scream is so unique and satisfying. Oh, so good. In that last moment when he's in the car and it closes, you just know. He's, like, also, it's, it's such a good. It's like, that's a good moment. meal for that little animal, too. Well, that's uh, the thing. A lot. I did, All of them. There well, was two, the right? I was going to say, I didn't notice till this time that it was two, two of them. The one that's in the car is not the same one that he he's in a runs away car from. from the Wait, jump. what? Those are two left, different ones. So yeah. I suppose because he was blind, he didn't bottom. see him run in. No, it's nah, two different when ones. You no? come, when he goes to the, do- the bottom of the hill and he sees the first dinosaur, when the camera kind of pans up to the wide shot, you could see behind him that he left the door open. Okay. You can't see one climb in, but it does show that the door has been okay. open. So it's the Yeah, I didn't notice it t- to this time as well. And I thought that was that's it. Because I always thought it somehow just magically ended up in the car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, Oof. there's two. You yeah, know, there's, there's two different ones. I love the and sequence. I never when... figured out that's what that's called, though. Dilophosaurus. Dilophosaurus. I never yeah. figured out what kind of dinosaur that was, and I was like, you're the real dope. And then once again, Spielberg shows his directing prowess in that his death scene. In my brain, I see him being ripped to shreds, but all we see is a car shaking. And again, once again, Spielberg. He did this earlier on with the with the cow, right? Seeing the the leaves shaking, you know. He he doesn't. Sh- the only time we see a graphic moment is when the lawyer is killed. Mm-hmm. Gennaro, yeah, yeah, when he's eaten, taken, taken yeah. a dump. Because with with his death, I thought in my brain, I always thought T Rex comes, eats him, and that's it. I didn't realize or I forgot that we see the shake, we see all of that stuff. The Spielberg doesn't cut away. The only thing we don't see is blood splatter or his body ripped into. You even see him throw the body back. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was really good. Oh, one of the things I was impressed by as well is when the T Rex is fighting the car. Right, I like to call it T Rex versus car. You really see the power of the T Rex when the T Rex is pressing down on the car, the car's pushing into the mud. I always just think that's such a yeah. very scary moment. Like there's a T-Rex on top of you pushing you so you're gonna drown in mud. Yeah, I'm claustrophobic in real life. So to this day that scene makes me like borderline hyperventilate. Mm-hmm. And even as a kid I'll be like, uh, you know, watching the scene because <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah. Like there's just yeah. no escape. You've got mud on the bottom, T Rex. That's being very alive. Yeah, a crushing car around you. Just, yeah, infinite death. I'm sorry, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry. I would have shit myself if T-Rex roared in my face like Lex Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. Well, luckily, (laughs) you're already in mud, Dave. No, but I'm taking that sequence when she gets out and and, and Alan's telling Lex to not move and the T-Rex is like, up in her face and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I oh. definitely would have been diarrhea. Oh, oh my oh, god. Oh, <laughs> I would yeah. shit myself. <laughs> like, I mean, if I had anything left from the previous five <laughs> minutes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Which is why <laughs> which is why I never paid attention to her trauma, which is like, he left us. He left us. He left us. And She's we, never coming back from this. Right? She's never going to trust a man again in her life. <laughs> she's and ruined. I think in Jurassic Park 3, where they she's like a scene in the beginning, like she's not, she's like a recluse. She don't go outside. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. actually, Timmy says that, right? At one point, after she gets sneezed on later on, 
he says, oh God, now she's never going to leave the house anymore. You're like, he actually says that line. <laughs> but I speak, mean, facts. Speaking Would of you Timmy, though? I wouldn't. Speaking of Timmy, this is one of my favorite sequences when um, Alan goes save Timmy from the tree. What I love about this sequence is that it's one of the only one of the few times in the movie where we get a threat that isn't the dinosaur. Like the threat is gravity. Also, that's what I love about this movie too. And I feel like Spielberg in general, I feel like no matter how intense the scenario is, he's like, no, let's up the ante. Right. Let's let's do some more. Yeah, right. let's do some more. It's like you thought a T-Rex was crazy. Let's add a T-Rex, some rain, an electrical fence, and uh, gonna, falling truck. Falling from a tree. <laughs> yeah, a, a hundred foot drop. Let's just all of it. Same scene. Let's go. Guy that doesn't want to be a dad. Did you <laughs> you guys, know, kid who just right. got abandoned. Put it, put, go. him, put them all together. Did you guys yeah. notice? I didn't notice it this time as well. The reason the car falls is because Alan turns the wheel accidentally when he goes to get Timmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, I never noticed that because the wheels are locked into the tree. And by turning the wheels, yeah. it causes the car to fall. And I love Ooh. when it falls. And Timmy's like, well, we're back in the car again. <laughs> I just like that little, <laughs> it's a little moment of levity, but it works. Yeah. You know, it, it works. It's, it's nice. One of the, we get the next T-Rex chase scene when Ellie and Muldoon find Malcolm, but they found nobody else. And I love, I love that moment. It's like, must get faster, must move faster, must move faster. And the T-Rex is chasing and she's, them. <laughs> she's just, at first, when I first watched the scene, because I, I watched it twice, so I much. thought she's saying like, shit, shit. She's like yelling, shift, shift. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, she's saying shift. She's like, yeah, because like, he falls back and like, yeah, yeah. yeah like hits yeah, her. That makes sense so now. she's trying to tell him to shift gears to speed up. Like, at least she's being helpful. Even Jeff Goldblum, he's like, fifth gear, fifth gear, shift, shift. You like, I wouldn't say shit. Jeff Goldblum, like, can y'all please drive faster? I can't even move out the way. I'm just like served up like a silver platter. Mm -hmm. He's and like again, a meat stick. A glistening little platter. Right. And then again, not great direction by Spielberg that shot through the mirror. Objects may seem larger than oh, things. So great, great shot. Great shot. Um, Alan, Timmy, and Lex. I love the sequence when they take refuge up in the tree. It's like, I don't want to go up another tree again. I just came down for a tree. fucking tree. <laughs> fucking hate trees. But again, this is a great, great directing, great writing, right? After all this danger, we get a moment of levity again where we we reminded that these dinosaurs are also fun and wonderful. And we you know, get to see them with the Brachiosauruses. And I like when Timmy's like, they're veg what did you say? They're veggie eaters or veggiesaurs or something. Veggiesaurus. Yeah, they're veggiesaurus. They're veggiesaurus. They touch it. <laughs> she gets sneezed on. Every time I try to play along, I get fucking sneezed on. <laughs> it's so bullshit. Seriously, though. I would have thrown up. I would have been like, ooh. <laughs> and that's the line. snot on your lips. She had right? snot on her lips, ooh. yo. My mouth is open. <laughs> but again one of my favorite scenes again is when alan and the kids are trekking across the field and uh there's a flock of uh gallimimus 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 great scene again and i love the sequence when timmy's like oh my god there's so much, so blood. much blood. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time i'm like i want to see that <laughs> show me i want to see the blood see this national hey. geographic shit go on right now. <laughs> and i love that like Instead of seeing the danger of these things running at us, Alan, being a scientist, like, oh, wow, look how they move. Just like birds. I was right. <laughs> like, that's where his brain is going. Not, yeah. holy shit, let's run away from these things. <laughs> it isn't yeah. until afterwards. Also, I love the sequence when, when Ellie and, and Maldino are going after uh, Alan because Alan didn't return. And then um, Hammond is all like, oh, maybe I should do it. And she's like, why? And he's like, because uh, uh, 
And she's like, you know what? We'll discuss sexism in survival situations later. And I love yeah, that line. Because I'm a... Throughout the film, she's having moments. I love it. Because like, there was even a, a speech earlier on that I didn't notice while they were on the tour. It's like, uh, God creates dinosaur. God destroys dinosaur. God creates man. Man destroys dinosaur. Man creates... Uh, no, no, man destroys God. Man yeah, creates mm-hmm. dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah. And then... Uh, What's her name? Ellie? Yeah, Ellie. Ellie. He's like, woman yeah, kills. Ellie. Her response was, and she was like, dinosaur kills men. Women take over everything. Yeah. Women like, in- mm-hmm. It's like, women inherit the earth. <laughs> yeah, women inherit the earth. I was like, I'm with that plan. Hey, full cycle. Full cycle. Women inherit the earth. I love her little moments, very subtle empowerment moments, because sometimes you're like, this guy's being such a creep to you. You're a victim. But she handles herself well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. We get talk about handling herself well. That's where we get the sequence between Muldoon and realizing we're being watched. And he tells her, run. And I love when she runs. She doesn't stop. She doesn't say, why? Huh? Huh? Nope. You tell her, run. She's like, peace out. I'm out. I'm going to do some gymnastics, jump on the tree, swing across. <laughs> like, she well, it kind of useless. Like, you didn't have to do that. You could have just jumped. Hey, she wasn't like... wasting any time. She didn't want to trip over anything. No chances. You don't know what you might trip yeah. over. No, I'm saying she just didn't have to grab this one to like do the extra dish. <laughs> Parkour. <laughs> Parkour. <laughs> she couldn't she didn't need to do parkour but it's cool and uh she successfully goes inside and i love the sequence right with her and um um turning on the power on switching to the kids and alan climbing over the fence because you're like go quickly because especially when alan says this is not a race take your time I'm like no it is a race i'm like get off the and I think that's again this movie doesn't just use the dinosaurs to be the only threat this is another threat that has nothing to do with the dinosaurs it's mm-hmm. get off the fence before the power is put back on and, and she's gone that was like saying that's when I realized like he doesn't they do a good job of making that boy seem a lot older than he is but when that's uh, camera pans outward and then you just see how that little boy like mm-hmm. trapped it's like a little cat in a tree and they're like Timmy get off and you're like oh my god like he's that's a little boy and like he's been yeah. through a lot okay he's like jump I'll catch you I'm like I don't know if I'll jump to yeah. you right. I, just, I feel like even if you're like removing like, the dinosaurs this like movie's this. still intense right. <laughs> he's like I'm not no it's okay guys I got it and it's like you know what Timmy take your time because people trying to tell you to jump from shit you shouldn't be jumping from okay no that's where we get the clever girl moment where Muldoon thinks he's got the raptor but just remember at the very beginning of the film Alan said they will track you with one but before you know it the other's gonna come from the sides from the side the kitchen scene one of my favorite sequences and what I love about the sequence the opening when the raptors come in and they open the doors and you're like shit because that's right after Ellie says unless they learn how to open doors <laughs> right right like, bitch why do you, yeah, like, uh, you gotta eat that so eat those words did. And what I like about that, though, is, you know, I think any other filmmaker would make the sequence of Raptors open doors seem like, really? They can open doors now? But throughout the entire film, we keep getting reminded that these are intelligent creatures. Mm-hmm. And the they way, learn. And it's not like they just go and open the door. You know, you see them hitting at it, hitting at it. And yeah, like, oh, attempt- okay, then. They remember. Oh, they remember. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and one of my favorite moments of, you know, this is the same guy that gave us, dun, dun, and I, I felt that the moment where the raptor walks in and its its toenail is like tick 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 tick, 
Yep. I was just that's like, paying, oh, that's paying shit. homage to Alan talking about the way oh, they use the sure. claws. Like, Oof. I love that when the exposition, exposition in the beginning and you're seeing this claw and then actually seeing the claw in the animal and the way it like yeah, moves. When you see the way the claw taps, you're like, oh. And you see how- They said that was a means of communication, actually. Yeah. Like Morse code. Yeah, the yeah. tapping, right? Yeah. They tap, just kind of tell they they do tapping and little ch chirps to kind of you communicate. go right i'm gonna go left right oh. mm -hmm. but i think we're gonna whole, meet up in the middle tap tap that <laughs> whole sequence what i love about sequence is that the kids don't act stupid you know they're scared but they're constantly moving and everything and i love when uh timmy uh tricks the raptor into the freezer i thought it was brilliant and then obviously we spoke earlier on with uh lex when she's faking out with a reflection brilliantly done i thought that was because we were all scared we were like oh she's gonna get killed yeah. we're gonna get, that's it she's dead actually we missed it before but i think it's a great little moment when the kids are eating ice cream and there's that's a the best. there's a picture of the t of the raptor and then it moves and, and like, that's when oh. she's like the jello yeah the jello. Jello. And the jello is a homage to the the other liquid shaking where it was, was like nice. Water to jello. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. They get chased into the main foyer, and I love the sequence when they go into the main foyer, right? Because when they're falling off the bones and everything like that, and the raptors are everything's super epic at that point. You think, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? Like, you have no idea how they're going to get out. Mm -hmm. They're surrounded by yeah. T Rexes, by raptors. The last thing you're going to think of is the T Rex is going to come out of nowhere and save the day. Like That's, your, yep. your yeah. brain is not never. even <laughs> like never. That's why I think everybody collectively jumps every time at that scene when it's like snatch and you're like, oh shit. You and know, he just came still. out. Got him. What's great about that sequence is that the T-Rex that a couple of scenes ago was the villain is now the hero. Yeah. <laughs> now we're all like, yeah, T-Rex. <laughs> And then, then the banner like falls the down. Child. Went no, I feel like that's the kid. That was a great show. And all of us mm -hmm. is that moment. So I feel like for Steven Spielberg, a part of him was like, I don't want the T-Rex to be the bad guy. You know, I'm here. Yeah. Gonna, gonna I want like, Dinosaur Jay Which again, that sequence is also great Holy because, God. you know, it crashes through the skeletons of the T-Rex and the real life T-Rex. So it's like the past and present that was pretty cool. all clashing. There's so much symbolism in that sequence, right? Mm. In, in, in the old and new. And, you know, we mentioned it earlier in the previous uh, part of the podcast, but one part that we missed out on is when uh, Ellie and, and Hammond are talking and, you know, she's like, this ice cream is really good. And he's like, yeah, we spent no expense. And that I love that moment because every other time he says we spent no expense, he says it from excitement. And this is the last time he says it, he says it from like sadness and realizing, yeah, I was wrong. My dream. Yeah. No. We, we spent yeah, that money on I, the wrong I, thing. I may have, yeah, I may have given us perfect ice cream, all that kind of stuff, but yeah, I was wrong. And uh they all get into the Jeep. And I, I love that. Even Hammond's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna keep on with this with this dream. In fact, I can't remember. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no. He's, uh, like, He's like, yeah, no. And on that note. <laughs> Uh, this is a great journey back into Jurassic Park. Um, I yeah, realized it's like an eight part podcast. Right. <laughs> hey. It's like three and a half. Yeah, a lot to say about Hey, when it's a movie like Jurassic Park, I mean, did we expect any less? <laughs> I feel like not, not for anything, we could go on more. <laughs> you can't fit it all I literally, I like, I censored myself. Each scene can have I its can own podcast. I discuss that kitchen scene <laughs> right? for like maybe the rest of my life. <laughs> how frame unnecessary frame. it was <laughs> no to have how unnecessary but necessary it was to have him lay there with his shirt open like this. Like, like I needed it. I and know, it for I so it. long, like that <laughs> camera He's scene. He's just sitting there. 
Here's just a breathing. <laughs> the worst thing about it is this straight up camera movements dedicated to that moment. There was a whole dolly track mm-hmm. into that moment. <laughs> that's the thing. It's a gr- it's a great hero shot. It's actually a great hero. They're like, the it was like hero. breathing. You just see his chest. He's like looking into the distance. There's like steam coming off of it. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you, Mercedes. Thank you, Mercedes. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you, Rocket Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Raven. Thank you. And uh, thank you guys for listening. My name is English Dave. This has been a Nerdy Bunch presentation of Back to the Feature. And this week we looked at Jurassic Park. I don't know about you guys, despite all that that action and shenanigans, I would definitely be going back to that park. And they said, hey, you want to come back to this Jurassic World? We fixed things 10 years later. I'm there. I'm I'm going. I'm going. after this. I don't care. I'll be there. And as always, (laughs) Raven. Keep it, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> keep it, keep it away. Keep it, hold on. My, keep it, hold on. My mic, like, literally fell over. <laughs> that's happened multiple times in this podcast. I don't know if you guys noticed. That's why oh, I'm always I like... have to buy a new tripod. But anyway. All right, so, as always. As always, Raven. <laughs> keep it. <laughs> Peace out, guys. <laughs> everything's just falling apart see this is like jurassic park wow. you know chaos this theory is my t-rex this is your chaos theory you just didn't care you know? theory. <laughs>